Welcome to another episode of The Music Creators. I'm your host, Gary Stripling, and I'm real excited about where we're going today. We're going to be talking about a topic that's pertinent to both faith-based performance artists and bands, and to some degree, the worship leader you see in a church service. So, let's get started. Welcome to The Music Creators, brought to you by the management agency, better known as TMA. The Music Creators is a podcast for faith-based indie artists who want to excel and become successful in the music business as touring artists or bands. And it's also a podcast for worship leaders and their team members who'd like a better understanding of the biblical basis for worship. You can't be successful in leading if you don't know how it all began and how the Bible provides a roadmap for great worship in today's church. Join us as we explore how these two courses intercept along the way. Now, here's your host. For indie artists and bands, I see a common misstep they take frequently when they're just getting started developing their brand in the marketplace. That disconnect is what we as an audience member expect to see and hear from the stage, whether it's a festival platform, a church platform, or an outdoor pavilion. We've heard the music. We've checked them out on social media, but when we show up to their live event, it's really not what we expected. Have you ever had that happen to you? For instance, you hear the band or the artist on Spotify, and you have a perception that it's going to be a Christian country band, okay? We all know what country music sounds like and pretty much what they all look like, you know. You've got Garth Brooks, Carrie Underwood, Florida Georgia Line, and a bunch of folks like that who are at the pinnacle of success in their careers as touring artists and bands. But then you add the component of Christianity to the music, and you think you're going to get a Christian version of country music. You know, where you get sober, you get your car back, your dog comes back to life. (laughs) Yes, I'm being funny. But then we show up to the concert expecting to see jeans and pointy cowboy boots and cowboy hats. And instead, you're seeing ripped everything Nikes and backward baseball caps. And yes, I'm exaggerating all of this, but you see the point. We get what we came to hear, but there's a disconnect between what we're hearing and what we're seeing on the stage. Even if you'd never seen a picture of the band, but only heard their music, there's an expectation of what you'll see when you arrive at their show based on their genre. So I want us to take a few minutes and explore how to alleviate that disconnect so that the brand you think you're creating is consistent. The brand, of course, needs to be consistent across every representation of you or your band on the Internet, on all your social media and on your website, including your colors, your logo, your tagline, and any photos that you share online in your headers, like your Facebook header, your Twitter header, and so forth. Those are the kinds of things that you need to make sure are consistently applied across the board. The brand needs to be consistent, but it also needs to accurately reflect the style of music you're sharing. Here's an example I experienced about 10 years ago. I was asked to consult with a great group of very talented, older African-American men who had recently graduated out of a rehab facility the church owns. These men have had hard lives and they've turned their lives around and given their hearts to the Lord and really were uh, wanting to share musically what they had experienced and the new life they had found. 
I mean, they're great singers. And back in the day, they were backup singers in Motown, if you can believe it. So on hearing that they wanted to start a group, the church's minister of music starts working with them. He puts them in choir robes and stands them in the middle of the choir loft in the church sanctuary. And that becomes the cover photo for their new album. So I was brought in to consult with them before the release to talk with them about their branding and create a development and management plan going forward so that when the release came out, they would be ready to perform their music. So it's funny, at the conclusion of spending a day and a half with these guys, we're completing the consultation in this huge conference room. Um, It's got like this big, long 20-foot conference table. And uh, everybody's sitting around it. You've got the the guys, about six of them, the senior pastor. You've got a couple of associate pastors, the minister of music and his assistant, and then the church's attorney, which wasn't intimidating at all, right? And so we're all sitting there, and they're waiting for my feedback and what I think about the group going forward and what should be done differently. What should we keep? What should we change or scrap altogether? They've shown me their cover art for the uh, upcoming release, and they want to know my opinion. So here I am. I'm looking at this art. It's nothing more than a photo of the six men in choir robes standing in a choir loft in in the sanctuary. And the title of the record, which I can't even remember now, was done in an old Gothic style font. Uh, So it looks very super duper traditional. So I held that up. And I said, okay, guys, if you really want to know what I think, you need to get rid of this art and start all over. Well, that was one of those pin drop moments of awkward silence. So fortunately, they didn't kick me out and they asked me to explain, which I gladly did. So what I told them is the music that I'm hearing from these guys is nothing like a church choir uh, musical or a chorale. It's, it's nothing like that. Not traditional at all. What I'm hearing, I tell them, is a Motown meets Jesus album. In fact, it almost has a grungy, hard sound to it uh, that, it, you know, talks about how they overcame hard times and addictions and different things that had taken them on a different path than they had expected early in life. And how they had been redeemed out of that life, had found the Lord and uh, had gotten their lives cleaned up or sober. And and so the brand hadn't been fully developed to reflect that genre and style. And the photo they were using on the cover certainly did not reflect a Jesus meets Motown, uh, as well as the font that they used to represent their name. And um, they didn't really have a logo. So there were a lot of missed opportunities here to convey uh, the kind of music that these gentlemen were creating and were so good at. I mean, the music was phenomenal. Uh, When I heard it for the first time and then I looked at that cover, I'm like, whoa, there's a disconnect here. This does not look like what I think I'm hearing here. And what I'm hearing here is so much better than what I'm seeing here. And so we had to go through the process of finding out how to get past that to develop their brand so that it was all consistent, so that it all matched up. So we talked about that a little bit, and I shared with them my thoughts on the branding and the group and what direction they should be going in and how it should all match up, if you will. After I explained that, they got it and were actually very happy about it and decided to start from scratch and recreate the brand from the mission statement, from the music and then have a brand new photo shoot to accurately reflect all of that. Now, the converse of a situation like that in real life is where you go overboard. 
Say you're a heavy Christian rock band and you think everything you put out there needs to look like Metallica or Kiss. You need to have your own brand, your own look to appeal to your audiences. You need to be sure that's consistently applied and you don't exaggerate your look, if you will, and create disconnections from what was expected based on the music with what your audience is going to see in a live setting. And, and why is that? Because it won't play well at First Baptist Church in Gooseberry, South Carolina. It's just not going to go well. In fact, once they've seen your press kit or their EPK or whatever media you present to them for review as the buyers, they may not like what they see, having never heard what your music sounds like, and then they'll never give you an opportunity. So if it's for a Friday night concert and they're going to kick off a young adult conference and they really want an elevation worship style music to speak to the hearts and of, of the attendees and get them ready, prepare them in their hearts for uh, what they're about to encounter through the weekend with some deep worship. But you show up and you start playing your best interpretation of your favorite Striper song, then there's definitely going to be a disconnect and a lot of people are not going to be happy. So the bottom line is that you need to make sure your brand matches the style and genre of the music that you're wanting to get your audience to hear. Yes, you, you may appeal only to a certain demographic of listeners, but at the end of the day, you don't want to limit your opportunities if you're very stringent in the demographic you want to reach. At this point, for most indie artists and bands, I tell them, if you're just getting started, make sure your brand is solid. Make sure it's professional in every way, including your photos. When creating your logo, you know, make sure that you get professional help. There are a lot of great artists out there who are really good at developing logos and color schemes and aesthetics and things like that for artists and bands. And you need to find one. And what I'm saying is indie artists need to be sure that their appeal is broad enough to reach your intended audience, but then knock out others who might venture into your lane of music, if you will. So let's get rid of that disconnect. When you begin the process of branding yourself and your band, you need to make sure that it accurately reflects your mission statement, that it reflects why you do what you do, and that it matches the genre of music you're wanting to play and produce. So if you're not heavy rockers or Christian heavy metal, don't brand yourself like that when you're actually more of a CCM or crossover pop style artist. And not everybody needs to go out in the middle of a wheat field and take photos, okay? You shouldn't be standing in front of that ubiquitous and very cliched brick wall. Likewise, if you're a Southern gospel group, you don't always need to be standing in the middle of an old empty church. Once you've established your brand in the marketplace and people identify that with your sound, at that point, you could even start to use different kinds of artwork using like vectors or illustrations for artwork that's professionally prepared now for your cover art instead of using your photo and everything. But I do like for bands at the beginning of their careers or when they're just starting the rebranding process that they do put their faces on everything because we want to create a connection between the look and the sound out there in the marketplace. So uh, for that reason, it's very, very important you have a professional photo shoot. And guess what, guys? You always need a stylist. Even if you're an all-male group, you always need a stylist. So a wedding photographer may not always be able to shoot an indie artist or a band. Did you get that? You can't always use a wedding photographer to shoot an indie artist or band. 
you may know someone who does a great job of a photo shoot for a bride and groom. Uh, but when it comes to shooting an artist or a band, that, that is an entirely different type of a job. So you need to look around for different photographers, look at their portfolio online and see if they've ever shot any bands or artists or anything besides children and puppies and bride and grooms. Okay. Uh, they may have no experience in that. If they haven't, then you need to have a direct conversation with them and ask them if they feel comfortable doing this. You could even show them some shots of some of the bands you really want to emulate, not copy now, but emulate and whose style really appeals to you. Show them some photos and some cover art and say, hey, this is the direction we want to go in. Can you do this? And ask them to be very honest because you're paying them a lot of money uh, for them to do something that may be out of their wheelhouse. And so you don't want to hire them. As far as the stylist is concerned, everybody, like I said, whether you're a male or female, you need a stylist on the set with your shoot. That stylist is going to make sure everything is in place. The collars are are properly placed. Uh, The shadows aren't across your face. They're going to make sure everybody's hair looks good that the uh, females in the group are presented in the shoot modestly, that the guy's zippers are all up. And yes, I have unfortunately seen this. Okay. But the stylist is really, really important to work with the photographer. And in many cases, the photographer will have his own stylist. So you need to check with them at that as well. Ask them, do you have your own stylist? And if they say, what is that? You need to run the other direction. You want to make sure that everything is consistent. There it is again. I keep saying that word consistent and your brand is applied to your music as well as the visual representation of you in the marketplace, social media, website, album art and everything. I do hope these tips will help you if you're just getting started as an indie artist or a band or if you've been in the business a while and you're not real sure why you're not getting any calls to come out and perform or share your music with anyone. Maybe it's because your brand doesn't look professional. Maybe it's because it doesn't match the music they're expecting to hear. So when I consult with a group, a band or an artist, I always start out with the branding process and developing the mission statement because out of that mission statement, everything flows. We can then discuss a photo shoot and really what they want to portray visually and how that will or may not match the music that they're putting out there. So Whether you're a faith-based performing artist or band or a worship leader with a worship team, it's very important that there's not a disconnect between your brand and who you actually are in a live setting. If you're interested in finding out more about the management agency and the services we provide, I encourage you to go to our website at www.themanagementagency.com. That's themanagementagency.com. And uh, at the upper right-hand side, you'll see a contact us button. If you'll click on that and complete that contact form, I will send you a lot of good information that you can use to uh, determine what your next steps might be. So we look forward to hearing from you so that we can schedule time to meet with you and answer any questions you might have. I really welcome your input on this topic, so feel free to drop me a line in the comments section of this podcast at www.tmamediapodcast.com. Again, that's tmamediapodcast.com. Find this episode number, which is number two, and click in the comments section and leave your thoughts on this topic. So until next week, I pray you have a great weekend and an outstanding week coming up. 
Don't forget to subscribe so that you'll be notified whenever these new podcasts drop on Fridays, as well as share these with your bandmates and other artists or groups who might need some of the information that we've shared today. So you guys take care. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Music Creators. Be sure to join us next Friday for the next episode. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. While you are at it, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. This helps other people find out about the show.